With South Africa's aviation pool being only so big and the number of skilled and experienced crew available, it is only natural that pilots would look for greener pastures abroad. One of these major destinations is, of course, Europe. But what does it take to convert and establish yourself in the domain of IASA? Well, to shed some light on this matter, as well as their partnership and new offering with Austria Control, is none other than 43 Head of Training, Alex Todd. The South African aviation market has seen a very strong recovery following the pandemic we saw over the past three years, from pilots struggling to find opportunity to significantly more opportunity than we saw this time last year, aviation is definitely once again on the rise. However, South Africa is only so big and the aviation opportunities are limited for people looking for a larger body aircraft as well as opportunities elsewhere. One of the easy things to do is to convert your license, but of course converting a license is easier said than done. Many people that have tried this exercise have found that extensive costs limit opportunity abroad. Thanks, Sam. Thanks very much for having me once again. Yeah, you had the very unique distinction of being someone we've had on the show three times, but I suppose you just have so much to offer and it's great to have you back. Yeah, or you just can't get rid of me. Yeah, either or. Welcome back <laughs> to the show. Alex, uh, just a little bit of context. People that may not have heard you on the show before might be tuning into the show for the first time. Just a little bit of uh, background into who you are and what your current position is at 43A School. Yeah, so um, I'm currently the head of training of uh, 43A School um, in Port Alfred, South Africa. Um, we're probably one of the largest uh, aviation training organizations or flight schools in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and I've been with 43 now for just over five years, going on sort of about five and a half years as the head of training. Um, I've been in the group a little bit longer. I was employed at uh, PTC for about three years before that um, on the Boeing 737 side of the training there. So, yeah, I've been, been with the sort of the, the 43A school fold, if I say that, for about uh, just over eight years now, um, but specifically based in Port Alfred on the Abinitio side for the last just over five years. Now, most people in South African aviation, I think almost all people in South African aviation have heard of 43A school. Of course, it's a training organization with an extensive history in South Africa. Can you just give us a bit of background into who 43A school are? when you were founded, and what your specific objective is as a training organization? Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, just very quickly, the background, because a lot of people ask where the name comes from, and I think that's probably the most interesting story. So um, the base in Port Alfred was actually started during World War II as part of the Empire Air Training Scheme. Um, a lot of European pilots were sent to South Africa, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, as part of the Empire Air Training Scheme, where they would send pilots to undergo their training and then return back to, to Europe to fight the, the battle or the effort. Um, so the, the, the schools around, certainly around South Africa, were sequentially numbered. I mean, the 42nd Air School, 44th Air School, also local ones to the Eastern Cape, but that's where the 43rd Air School was based in Port Alfred, and that's that's where the name came from. Um, obviously, at the end of World War II, there wasn't a need for that anymore, so the base was decommissioned. Um, obviously, all the infrastructure was still here, all the buildings, and um, there was a lot of uh, uh, the apron was left here. A lot of the aerodrome, still sort of the remnants of the aerodrome, is still very much part of 
of the 43 operation today. But um, it was restarted again in 1988 as a private training organization by a South African gentleman by the name of Jim Davis, who I think many of the listeners will be uh, familiar with the name anyway. Yeah. Um, he's a big a big name in South African aviation. He's still still very involved in uh, in aviation, and I think he's a columnist as well in in some of the aviation mag- magazines. But um, he started it in 1988, and it's basically grown from strength to strength over the last you know 35 odd years. Um, its primary focus now is 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 still um, in Port Alfred, at least anyway, is ab initio training. Um, from zero to to here on the as a commercial pilot, multi-engine instrument rating, uh, frozen ATPL. So we deliver integrated courses. We our main focus is integrated ATPL um, courses, and the advanced elements of those are delivered by our, our sister company in Portersworth PTC, um, where they would you do the bolt-ons APS MCC type rating elements of it too. So. Um, really just getting getting someone who's getting into aviation um i would sort of say that with a with one stop shop you know as a parent or a sponsor you can drop your your child off at 43 years school and fetch them 13 months later as as a you know qualified commercial pilot really ready to tackle an aviation career now given that COVID, the dreaded word really had a significant impact on the aviation industry a lot of us are trying to forget um, we had a lot of, of pilots seeking opportunity elsewhere outside of industry or perhaps engaging or, or working in jobs they never imagined finding themselves in. And it kind of set a neg- negative perception at the time for people looking at entering industry. But now with the aviation industry again on the rise, are you finding more interest in pursuing aviation as a career as opposed to a year or two ago? Yeah, it's definitely picking up again. Um, I think, you know, I, I think the, the effects of COVID are, are certainly from an ab initio perspective are still um, well seen. Um, and that's yeah, that's because parents and sponsors still don't have the luxury of having a lot of leftover money or saved money in order to mm. spend on their, on their kids, and spe- especially in aviation. I mean, it's a very costly education to undergo. Um, so I think... We're still not quite there um, as to as you know pre-COVID, but it's definitely picked up again rapidly, and we're seeing a lot of our private our private clients pick up again um, with parents um, sending their kids after school um, to come to us. And there's a lot of interest again in the the airlines. Airline cadet programs are booming again. Um, we've seen big intakes at 43 specifically with our airline cadets, um, and and it's definitely there. We've had lots of interest. Um, from many more airlines who we don't have partnerships with yet, um, getting, getting in contact with us to start laying the roots and, and start looking at at creating those cadet programs again. So uh, we definitely, we're on the right track again to to pick up to well before where we were pre-COVID. We know that it's going to be be um, a huge career um, in in the years to come. It's going to be something that, that has a huge shortage, pilots and engineers and air traffic controllers around the world is a huge shortage uh, forecasted and so we know that the business is definitely going to pick up rapidly. Alex it's interesting that you, you say that you know, there's is renewed interest but where in your opinion is the South African aviation market currently? Yeah, I think the South African aviation market you know it's been an, an incredibly oversaturated market for many many years um, I think that's rapidly turning around now I, as a 
as an employer of of many many flight instructors at 43 um for the very first time in, in certainly in my aviation career have i seen some of the local airlines here like airlink um taking our instructors directly from the end of their time at 43 um you know with uh with sort of a thousand five hundred hours uh, you know less than 200 yeah. hours of multi-engine experience uh, some of them don't even have full atps so um that that in the past has never happened so you, you can see that the airlines are are have uh, have started um lowering their requirements they they're becoming desperate to to full positions with uh, south africans moving abroad which is great it's it's uh, i certainly don't feel that there's any safety um aspects that are compromised in it and um mm -hmm. and it's great for the industry to see that that um that the the job opportunities are out there for certainly the south africans getting into the market is that kind of stream quite common internationally where airlines take flight instructors directly from flight schools yeah i mean definitely i think in europe it's probably a little less so because um europe the european requirements really i mean they're so desperate for pilots that they take them basically straight out of flight school um in america they've got that 1500 hour rule so in order for um airlines to employ you, you've got to have a you know 1500 hour there, there there are variations on that requirement but but generally speaking it's about 1500 hours so in order to go and achieve that 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 benchmark you know the a lot of the um american sort of youth go into corporate flying or charter flying or become instructors um where after they're then taken in by you know southwest or american airlines or american eagle so uh yeah absolutely i think uh, instruction certainly a good way of of meeting the requirements that are needed for um you know the the, the benchmark into an aviation airline environment so currently there may even be a stream whereby an instructor that's done two three years of 43a school might provided they meet the requirements and the competencies required by the operator they may actually the next drop out of a seneca might be straight into a jet yeah absolutely as i said that's that's certainly what we're seeing with our with our instructors in in uh, port alfred south africa here now alex where are these pilots these south african pilots where are they going you mentioned they're moving abroad is there a specific market that they're targeting you mentioned europe's quite desperate for pilots are you seeing a, a large movement of pilots to the european market or is it elsewhere Dan, I think uh, I think as with anything, I think they're all moving to where the money is. Um, we know that that the best paying jobs in aviation really are sort of uh, Middle East and Asia countries at the moment. So a lot of these South African pilots are moving across to places like Emirates, um, to Saudi Arabia, the UAE, um, and um, and you know even to Asia, to Vietnam, uh, some of them to Hong Kong and China. Um, that's really where the big push is, but a lot of them are also moving across to Europe. You know, they're they're looking at at um, at starting families or taking their taking their families out of places like South Africa for for you know concerns over the financial situation and the economy in South Africa. So um, you know, a lot of them are, are using the opportunity that they have possibly with with foreign passports um, and and moving across to Europe to to the UK. To France, to Germany, um, to the Netherlands, where, wherever they they've got the opportunity to to live and work. Wherever the lights stay on twenty four seven, I suppose. <laughs> I've got power at the moment, but I am waiting for it to go off in about an hour. <laughs> yeah, a quarter past eight. Those lights are going off. 
<laughs> uh, okay, Alex. So, yeah, we're here to talk about the ice offering. You, you mentioned guys are moving abroad hard. You, you've actually been offering the ice package for a while now. How did this whole offering come into being? And why did 43 feel there was a need to introduce it? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a while. We've probably, well, I suppose we've probably done about eight or nine months worth of it now. I mean, we, we, we're we actually just an exam center for Austro control, which I might maybe talk about a little bit later. But um, we obviously knew that there was, and there's always been in South Africa, there's been a, a keen interest in, in European conversions. Pilots have always, South African pilots have always been been immigrating across to, to Europe, especially before Brexit. Um, and, uh, you know, I think COVID is, has been very instrumental in allowing this to happen because the 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 covid pandemic has has really widened a lot of aviation authorities mindsets to allowing things to happen virtually and being less in physical hands on control of things um we've seen a lot of improvements in south africa with the south african caa that i think have covid have accelerated online license applications etc but um you know the, the the setting up of 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 bases or sittings around the world, um, and and the ease that 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 you can do that now. Um, so yeah, we we're an Austro Control um, exam center, approved exam center. Um, they're the Austrian CAA or Austrian Authority, and um, yeah, I mean we've got a couple of partnerships which you may ask me to explain a little bit later. But but I think there's, it, there's, we've seen huge interest in it, and it's been highly successful so far. There's been uh, basically all of our sittings are almost fully booked at the moment, um, sometimes even two, three sittings ahead. So, yeah, there's definitely interest in it, which is great. So you mentioned COVID opened the regulators, specifically in Europe, that opened the eyes to the idea of having arts stations. How many... YASA approved our stations are they currently in Africa? Do you know? Uh, Dan, I don't. I know that there's, see, I mean, we, you know, each authority, remember, each authority also is responsible for within the YASA, each, um, they call it competent authority, mm -hmm. is is also responsible for looking after their own exams. So, you know, we're an Austro-controlled approved exam center. Um, so ergo, we are in the Austria exam center, but I don't think there are any other Austria control exam centers in Africa. I might be mistaken, but I, to my knowledge, there aren't. There are other authorities which have exam centers in, in Africa, um, and they also fall under EASA. So there certainly are, to my knowledge, there's, there's in South Africa, there's us and there's another one in Johannesburg. Um, I'm not sure about Northern Africa, what, what the situation is like there. But I think certainly from, from sort of sub-Sahara Africa, I think, I think those are the only two around. Um, as I said, I, that's, that's off of the top of my head. Why specifically awestruck control, Alex, if you've got a number of you know, member states that, are, that form part of ERC? I think Austro Control certainly has since since Brexit. Uh, the UK CAA was was always at, sort of at the forefront of EASA pre Brexit and and after Brexit. I think um, certainly from a reputation standpoint, Austro Control has really been at the forefront of of um, theoretical knowledge exams with EASA. Uh, we also through our partnership with Bristol Ground School, um, they recommended to us. 
um, a connection or a, 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 they introduced us to, to someone at Austria Control um, in the exam department and the communication really just flowed from there. And um, and they ended up just being being so honored and it was such a pleasure dealing with them. It was so, so easy and simple. Um, and you could see that they were they were very interested in making it happen too. So it was such a pleasure. Um, and it's it that that's in that ended up um, solidifying our decision to to go with Austro Control. So you solidified the decision to go with Austro Control, but you also mentioned that there are partnerships that are involved in making this whole offering happen, specifically Bristol Ground School. And tell us more a bit about them, their background, their contribution to this venture. Yeah, so you know. Um, there's a in order for you to write the ATPL theory exams, the EASA ATPL theory exams, you've either got to have certain benchmark requirements, which is basically in South Africa sense, you've got to have the full ATP requirements, and you have to hold a South African ATP. You've also then got to have 500 hours of multi-crew experience on a on a multi-crew certified aircraft. Essentially, there are some exemptions to that, but um, so. If you if you meet those requirements, you're then exempted from having to sit a formal ground school before you write those exams. Mm. So if you've been in an airline environment for the last 15, 20 years, like some of the guys writing have, um, you don't have to sit in an EASA ATPL ground school before writing those exams. So you can just go straight in and write the exams at 43A school. If you do not meet those requirements, so like uh, a fresh graduate as a commercial pilot, maybe even an instructor, um, someone who hasn't got that 500 hours multi-crew experience is generally generally charter pilots. Um, they've got to legally sit an, an EASA ATPL ground school before they become eligible to write those exams. Um, and in order for that to happen, I mean, a lot of our students, for example, don't meet those requirements. So we needed a partnership to deliver this EASA ground school because it's got to be an EASA approved ATO. It can't, 43 air schools, not an EASA approved ATO. Um, and Bristol ground school, I think in every in every sense is the epitome of the best ground school one could could get in the world. Mm. Um, certainly in Europe, um, they've been delivering ground schools, standalone ground schools, for many many years, and and have an excellent reputation. Um, so we we got in contact with them, and um, and formed a partnership with them in order to to allow students or, or offer students the ability to to. Uh, to get that certificate saying that they'd sat the ground school to then write the exams through, through us. So you mentioned your exam sittings are quite full. Is this broad school ground school offering exclusive to 43 students or can any licensed pilot that, you know, has recently qualified and wants to pursue an opportunity in specifically Europe, can they join or attend the program? Yeah, so the ground school can be done by by anyone, um, you know, anyone that wants to do it. I mean, even if you do meet the ATPL requirements to be exempted from the ground school, you may still want to sit a ground school. It, you know, it may have been a long period of time before or well, since you'd set the theory when you did your ATPL and, and you're not confident going into those exams without, you know, attending some sort of lectures or virtual, sure. virtual lectures or in-person lectures. So it is open to anyone, not only 43 students, and certainly the exam element of it, the exam center, um, that's also open to absolutely anyone, um, anyone that wants to come right. We even have people that are traveling around the world and just looking for an available sitting, and, and they come to us from Europe and come and write here. So um, so absolutely, yeah, it's open to anyone, not, not limited to 43 students. 
Have you had any feedback with regards to the pilots that have written both the South African ATPLs as well as the RSA ATPLs uh, and found how they differ in terms of level of difficulty? Uh, yeah, Dan, I mean, we've obviously got feedback. You know, all of the all of the, the South African exams are cut, copy, paste. I mean, the South African aviation syllabus, or the CPL and HPL syllabus is cut, copy, paste from the the 2016 EASA exam syllabus. Um, the EASA exam syllabus was updated again in 2020. It's called the 2020 syllabus, but it is introduced in 2021 with the requirement um, of a couple of additional things like KSA 100. Um, but the the 2016 syllabus was basically, I mean, it was 14 exams at, at that stage when South Africa purchased the exam syllabus. And um, we, we basically combined a couple of the subjects into eight exams. So the content was quite similar. Obviously, that content has now changed with the migration also to a newer syllabus. But but nonetheless, I mean, most of the material that you'd cover in South Africa is is what you would cover in the EASA syllabus um, with a couple of, you know, updated modules and, and, and the content being split over 13 exams now instead of eight in South Africa or, or six from ATPL level, eight for CPL level in South Africa, obviously. All right, so somebody that's just recently written their ATPL exams and obtained the ATPL probably in with a good chance, uh, a little bit of prep before writing yeah, the EASA. Yeah, yeah, and just covering the differences, but yes. I suppose if you are as a VR on, no matter where you go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the regulation of you know international regulations are care regulations too, so those are the same. So, you know, they obviously the focus here is more on northern hemisphere weather, for example, and the focus on us and the South African CIA syllabus is more southern hemisphere weather. So, you know, there are obviously the differences, but but it's nothing that you wouldn't be able to to self study and understand. Alex, you also mentioned that if you have an ATPL, you can forego the ground school should you wish. And if you don't have the ATPL requirements, you need to sit a full ground school. But you also mentioned that there are some exemptions. Can you just break down exactly what those exemptions are and who they would apply to? Yeah, so um, the requirement for you to be exempted from the ground school is you've got to have the hours for a South African full ATP. You've got to have South African full ATP. And you've got to also have, which is which is the EASA ATPL requirements, you've got to have 500 hours multi-crew experience on a multi-crew certified aircraft. Call it a 737 or an A320 or an Embraer or something along those lines. So, um, so you know, as I said, that's really the airline guys. They do make exemptions for it um, not being a multi-crew certified aircraft, provided it's operated in a multi-crew certified environment for the, the part that it's operating under. So a lot of the uh, sort of part one, three, five operations, um, you talk about like sort of semi and uh, some of the charter uh, contracts flying 1900s around, um, they're operating those aircraft in multi-crew sort of certified environments, so non-multi-certified aircraft, but yeah, exactly. So the, the, the um, uh, EASA authority then does allow you to, to get exempted based on that too. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a multi-crew certified aircraft, but they are quite sticky that it's it's not just, you know, a, a Cessna 210 with you sitting with your mates in the side, in the seat next to you for 500 hours, you know, um, asking him to raise the landing gear, you know, after takeoff. One can only dream. Alex, obviously there's a financial commitment 
in order to take advantage of this offering. There's also a time commitment. So someone looking at doing the ground school, that doesn't meet the exemption requirements for, for the direct entry into the exam. What are they looking at in terms of time commitment? So time commitment, um, at least through Bristol Ground School anyway, you're looking at roughly about six months. Um, it's all done remotely. I mean, so that six months is really, most of it is self-study um, in your own time. That's just roughly how long it takes you in order to, to get it. They monitor your studies. They monitor how much time you're putting in. There's a, there's a minimum number of hours that you've got to, you've got to tick off as well. Um, and progress tests, they, they assign and monitor. And then there's a brush up, sort of about a week brush up ground school before the end of each module. Um, and that's from about nine to five um, UK time. Obviously, Bristol's based in the UK, so that's where the lectures um, are based. And, and that's done, that you have to attend. So not in person, you can attend it in person if you want, but that's all done virtually. Um, but you've got to make um, provisions for that week because you've got to attend that entire week. Otherwise, they won't um, sign you out to write those exams. But so about six months. And in terms of cost commitment, what are you looking at paying per exam in order to complete the entire battery? You're looking at about 2,490 rand, sorry, 2,490 pounds um, for the HPL theory course through Bristol. And the exams at uh, at 43A school in Port Alford are 895 rand per exam. Um, okay. And they're 13 exams in total, yeah. Good, I thought you were going to say pounds, my heart stopped for a second. No, no, no. And that, but that's obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously those prices are subject to change. Um, but those are those are what's on the on the advertising board at the moment. Now, someone that's looking at writing a 43, what's the process they need to go through in order to book the exams and you know make sure they get there on time? All right. So this is I've made a very simple um step-by-step -step guide it can be found on on the 43 air school website www.43airschool.com um, and in the top right of the website you'll see a little banner that says EASA and you follow that link and it tells you exactly what you need to do what forms you need to fill out it's got all the forms how you need to fill them out um, and uh, who you need to submit them to the whole process it's very simple and easy and um, just following the instructions on the website Alex my exams are done What's the next step? Does 43 assist with, say, a YASA medical on base, or is it something you have to go abroad for? So, unfortunately, at the moment, that's where we've stopped. Our focus at the moment was really just the, the theory side of it. Um, from, you know, from where, from the next step is is really at the at this stage up to you, and we've wanted to leave it up to the, the individual because, you write where you write your exams. I mean, if you do them through 43, it's through the uh, Austria control, the Austrian authority. That doesn't mean that you have to do your flight training in Austria. Now, the reason we haven't gotten involved any further than that is because a lot of people want to go and do the flight training where they've got access to accommodation through family, through friends, uh, where the costing is cheaper, where their, their passport allows them to go, etc. So, um, you know, we, we didn't want to, to form a partnership with a flight school in, in France, for example, and um, half of, half of our, our customers want to go to, uh, you know, to Germany, as an example. So we've decided really not to, to form a partnership just yet. 
um, and to let let the candidates decide where they want to go and, and facilitate their own training from there. Um, but we will in the future have a couple of options with partner flight schools where we can, you know, maybe one in each authority um, we could at least recommend and, and have some sort of uh, package deal that we could offer through that that partnership with that flight school in, say, Germany and, and say, Austria, et cetera. Is there any opportunity to do your medical in South Africa? There, I think there are a couple of foreign exact where you where you end up doing your training and test. You that's where your medical's got to be issued. So again, you know, it's um, if you do if you do your training and test in Austria, you've got to have an Austrian medical. So the examiner in South Africa has got to have Austrian approval. Um, you know, so you, you don't get the blanket EASA, you know, um, medical approval. So you know, the 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 doctors in South Africa are not particularly keen on having seventeen different European approvals. Sure. Um, and the upkeep of that obviously is huge. So I, I don't know of many South African doctors. In fact, personally, I don't know of any, but I'm sure there are some um, European authority approved doctors in South Africa. But um, yeah, I, not not through 43A school at this stage. And Alex, it sounds like such a great offering. And I'm pretty sure there are lots of people that contact you with the hopes of moving abroad. Is there anybody that shouldn't be considering this as an option? Um, look, I think, you know, uh, the, the EASA license conversion is a, or the EASA license is an incredibly well-recognized license throughout the world. Um, it's, um, I think it's, it's been, a, in my opinion anyway, and I, I you know, I, I know this is a hot topic, but Brexit has, has made it a lot more complex now. Um, a lot of people that had, uh, UK passports living in South Africa, wanting to go and up to, to move across to Europe. Now, obviously, can't move to Europe. They've got to move to the UK specifically, and um, and the UK CAA is now no longer part part of EASA. So, if you want to go and live in in the UK, an EASA license ain't going to cut it for you anymore. Um, that being said, doing an EASA license conversion, um, you know, is only beneficial if you've got the ability to go and live and work there. Um, now, there are a lot of airlines. Ryanair has recently done a roadshow in South Africa, and and you know they've indicated their um, their willingness to assist in in obtaining work visas for suitable candidates, which makes it which makes it logical then. Um, but unless you've got that, you know, going across converting your license and then not not finding a job afterwards because you don't have a European passport and can't be employed, um, that obviously limits your opportunity there. So um, certainly, it's it's worthwhile doing the research before the time and making sure that. The money that you're going to commit to to this license conversion, because at the end of the day, it's not cheap, um, but it does guarantee you some sort of job opportunity at the end of it. Sure, sure. So, provided you don't have the right to live and work, it may not be worth pursuing unless it's through an operator like Ryanair. That's Correct. specifically coming yeah. to head, aren't you? Correct. Okay. Well, Alex, thanks very much for joining us on the show again for the third time and just sending some insights to the 43 offering. I'm pretty sure there will be more offerings on the line through 43A School and uh, we'd like to have you back on the show to discuss those in the near future. Yeah, thank you very much, Dan. Much appreciated. And um, as always, I mean, most of the information can be found um, on the website. Um, but uh, if they do have any questions, they're more than welcome to email fly at 43aschool.com and uh, any relevant uh, sort of inquiries will be forwarded to me anyway that I can maybe assist with. Perfect. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that will be contacting you quite shortly after listening to this. But Alex, thanks again. 
And uh, yeah, fly safe, and we'll chat again soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it.